Welcome to the EduBabble Emporium's We the People interview series. A place where community members that wish to preserve our constitutional values, protect the hearts and minds of our children, and foster domestic tranquility through common sense and truth, have an opportunity to share and speak truth that will bring this country back to godly values. Tom O'Brien is your host. Welcome to the show and enjoy. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the EduBabble Emporium. This is the We the People interview series, and our goal during this series is to shine a spotlight on things going on in today's world with a focus on schools. Also, we will gain valuable wisdom and insight from informed citizens from within the West Michigan area, and today we are honored to have Philip Smith, proud parent to eight amazing young people and the pastor of a church in Granville, Michigan. Now, Philip is a patriot. I heard him on another podcast uh, a while back, and I thought it would be amazing if I could have the opportunity to talk to him. And this is a man that treasures our Constitution and our traditional Judeo-Christian values that made our country what it is. And he makes West Michigan his home, of course. Uh, welcome, Philip. How are you doing today? Oh, very well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Hey, before we get into our interview today, it would really mean a lot if you could just say a brief prayer for our country, our schools, and really for a generation of young people um, that seem to be continuously under attack from the false messaging of the world. Would you do that for us? Be happy to. Appreciate it. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we're so grateful, so thankful to you for this great nation. This nation, Lord God, that you put your stamp on, this nation that you sent pilgrims over here, Lord God, with a only desire was to spread the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ throughout this land. We thank you, Lord God, for your people. We thank you, Lord God, for our youth. We thank you for surrounding them with faith and with love. We thank you for protecting them, protecting this nation, and not letting Satan steal, Lord, what you have put in place, Lord, to be a beacon of light to all the nations of the world. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, hey, um, if you wouldn't mind giving us just a, a brief story of your upbringing, how you came to know Christ, and how your faith has impacted your perspective on the world. I grew up in a home where my parents were Christians. Uh, we went to church a lot. <laughs> we went to church um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Friday, uh, and sometime on Monday as well. Wow. Was that uh, in this area? Uh, Muskegon. Muskegon, okay. Uh, and so we had a uh, pretty busy schedule with church. I mean, you had youth service, you had, uh, you know, a Wednesday Bible study, and then you had what we called saints meeting on, on uh, Friday. And uh, and so we, we got involved at a very early age. My my parents being Christians and you know always talking to us about the things of God and and about Him and what He's done for us and the price that He paid for us and all those things. And so one one day uh, when I was about eight years old, I after the message my pastor preached, uh, I got up. Uh, 
and uh, went up and just received the Lord and was baptized and uh, that day and um, and uh, it, it changed my life you know yeah. um, and uh, just been an amazing trip yeah ever since then how it's affected me in the decisions that I make uh, be, I make decisions based on a Christ-centered frame of reference uh, what God said in his word uh, comes first before all other things. Uh, God is our creator, and he created all things, uh, you know, when without him was not anything created that has been made. And so the idea that uh, we shouldn't be accountable to him is a false premise. Uh, and uh, when you take a government and put that government above the creator, uh, then you're making your government God and uh, I tell you what, government is a very bad God. Amen to that. They don't have the capacity to be God. No man does. Right. Uh, God, we were created to worship God and honor him and praise him and all those things. And anything other than that is just uh, not nearly enough. And so uh, you speak with passion about your faith. And you said you look at everything through that biblical perspective. And I would have to imagine that with everything, we'll get into it a little later too, but with everything going on in the world and how you've said that, you know, our government seems to be wanting to increase its role in our lives each and every day, almost to kind of act as a replacement for godly values that used to be like the center point of this country absolutely and so do you do you notice that to be something that's just been on a hyperspeed the last uh, couple years like oh wow asserting themselves more and more and, and you've been seeing it coming for quite some time uh, but the last two years or so have been uh, increasingly uh, more pressure on uh, all of us in society, not only in America, but around the world, uh, there's been pressure. Uh, and uh, I know where the pressure comes from. You know, there's a few elite uh, families. They probably number somewhere around 7,000 people mm -hmm. that uh, want to dominate all of the 8 billion others that exist on this planet as if they are the be it all of every decision that we make and what it is that we do and all those things and telling us what we do from the top down uh, with them being the top. And that gets into all the things going on with the World Economic Forum and the elites. I mean, today's elites, are you talking about the heads of the pharmaceuticals and the technology industry and and people that have so much control over our lives and yeah you're right i mean it's it, it when you when it boils down it it seems to be a a very powerful spiritual warfare going on right now and i think as christians i think uh, i feel that too yeah. i feel that in the public schools very much yeah no doubt you know there's um I was very shocked when I looked at this documentary called Monopoly, Who Owns the World? Mm. And uh, it shows all the things that the globalists own. Every publicly traded company 
in the world, they are the top four financial institutions. Isn't that amazing? And with that being said, that means they control the media. They control the flow of supply, the, the supply chain. They, yep. they control, they can stop things, they can start things, they can create things, they can, uh, I mean, they, they, they own so many of the uh, World Bank, if you will, the Bank on International Settlements, the, uh, you know, IMF, and uh, just so many other things that they're involved with, the Council on Foreign Relations, the, you know, just, the list goes on. The list just goes exactly. on and on. They yeah. own a lot, and they, they pay for the research to come, have the outcome they want. Yeah, yeah, right. And yeah, I know it. And um, don't, aren't, we, aren't we glad we are on God's side, though? Yes, because <laughs> we, we already read the back of the book. We win. That's right. And, and, and there's only one source of truth. Amen. And the rest of it is deception and lies. So. Absolutely. So you, you have eight kids? I have eight children. Seven so, on earth, one in heaven. Gotcha. Okay. And so um, as a Christian man, as a pastor, as someone who cares deeply about um, kind of preserving the values of this country, your kids were exposed to everything that everyone else's kids are exposed to. What Could you give like some, some pointers, really be succinct? What is it you think that parents um, need to be so cognizant of and you can bring your faith into that too. But what what is it that we need to do as as parents and as believers to guide our kids? Well, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, when it comes to raising children in a society that has forgotten God, mm -hmm. uh, you have to remind them constantly of who God is. He's your creator. He created you in his image and after your likeness. He didn't create you out of the primordial soup. He did not create you and uh, take you from animal or ape or anything like that to become a man. No, God created you a man upright from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, we need to know these things. We need to know that he, we were created after our kind, not species, but kind. And, uh, and we produce after our kind. You know, human beings produce human beings. Mm -hmm. Animals produce animals. You know, uh, banana uh, seed produces bananas, apple seed produces apples, and et cetera, et cetera. And that's the way God said it was, and that's the way that it is. But you don't find that in the evolutionary, uh, you know, fossil record, if you mm -hmm, will, mm -hmm. that there's anything that shows something coming from one thing and turning it into something uh, different, <laughs> maybe other than a butterfly, yeah. you know, changing from a caterpillar. Right. But that that's a consistent thing that happens every cycle right you know that's not something that uh takes millions and billions of years uh to come into play and yet in all these years that we've been on the earth which we don't know how long that's been and specifically mm -hmm. uh, you know with specificity but we do know that uh you know based on 
the uh, creation uh, and the time frame that people lived and the generations that have happened since then, we have a somewhat of an ideal. But it, you, you know, the ideal that the Earth is billions of years old. Uh, Sometimes you've just misread the data. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you you think you know and understand what you see with your eyes and uh, so on. Sometimes you can't even believe what you see or what you thought you saw, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. I mean, you That's know, right. and uh, so, and, and with our minds and so on. But you know, the I think the biggest thing is being a stickler for the Word of God, holding fast to the Word of God, and uh, doing your best to live an example of that Word in front of your children you know, and continue to say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Don't change because of circumstances. And I know one of the things that we said oftentimes when our children would come home and say, well, everybody's doing it. I said, well, no, I know everybody's not doing it because you're not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, we've used that one a time or two. <laughs> yeah, That's true. Yeah. Well, um, going back to your statement that you believe we were all made in the image of God, um, and that he had a unique plan for each one of us. So I'm just curious because I know being a public school teacher, um, you know, there's a continuous message uh, being promoted and being pushed upon us by organizations like, um, you know, BLM, the teachers unions, um, you know, the Democratic Party, the Department of Education, uh, these these institutions that have an, a tremendous amount of, of um, oversight and influence on public education. I mean, overwhelming amounts. But um, we are continuously receiving the message that schools are systemically racist, that, uh, that we need to redefine the, the um, meaning of family and of marriage, and that anything that happens that's uh, unequal or that there, the, any of the ills of society can be blamed on um, things like uh, being a white teacher, me being implicitly biased, or the systemic racism. As a, as a black man and a Christian man, how do you perceive all of these messages that are being pushed upon, not just public schools, but just in general, uh, the popular culture that we hear it all the time? I would have to say that I see them as seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, I believe that they are lies, and they are using those lies to come against the truth of God's word and put man's word above God's word. Okay. And by doing so, all you can bring is death and destruction. Yeah. That's the outcome. That's the fruit of what they are doing. It brings death and destruction. Uh, it brings, they're, they're trying to bring, and I know you may even talk about some of this later, but I, I, they're trying to bring depopulation. Hmm. I think that's one of their primary things that the, the, the elitists want to do is to depopulate the earth down to somewhere around 500 million people, a more controllable amount of people that they can control uh, and uh, I think that they are using all these things to divide us, mm -hmm. separate us, uh, and make us feel like we are at odds with one another or that we hate this person because of how they look or we hate this person because of what they believe. 
we hate this person because they they don't uh, go along with something that God said. You know, if God said that he made them male and female and Adam and Eve were the first man and woman uh, and she was his wife, you know, he made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, mm -hmm. you know, then we need to recognize what God has said and what God has demonstrated. So let me let me be the devil's advocate here and sure. let, let me say well i'm i'm not a believer i i'm i'm an atheist mm -hmm. i don't believe in your bible and your god i i can i can define what is my own truth and what is right for me so how would you respond to that because that's a big argument now of course it is, is in in the public square is that uh the schools you know, we need to we need to be cognizant and we need to make everyone feel safe and embraced with their own viewpoints. How would you come at that? Um, there are a lot of things that just work and there are things that just don't work. Mm -hmm. uh, so say, say if, for instance, if overnight every one of us became a homosexual, mm -hmm. we cease to exist. That is true. Okay, so we know that doesn't work. Okay, that's one. And uh, there's the other thing is math. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's certain things that just work with it, and there are things that don't work. There's two plus two is still going to be four. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can reframe all the numbers in in you know, one, two, th you know, yeah. or three uh, and one, however you want to frame, but three, the, the two plus two still equals four. The, uh, you can arrange the numbers any way you want, but it still ends up being four. So the point of the matter is, is uh, God does not have to prove he exists because God is, okay? Uh, he said, the heavens declare the glory of God, the earth shows forth his handiwork, day unto day utter speech, night unto night shows forth his power. There's no speech or language where his voice is not heard. He said in Romans chapter 1 and 18, he said, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And the things that may be known of God are clearly seen by the things that are made. He said, and he goes on to say, so that they are without excuse. Mm -hmm. He said, they, they, God has shown it unto them. Mm -hmm. These people that are saying that they're atheists and whatnot, I believe are liars. So you're saying everyone has had the truth revealed? God has shown it to them. And they've rejected it. They've rejected it. And that makes, that makes sense. So um, one of the big movements, and I keep going back to education because that's what I do. Ah, absolutely. And, um, and you're a dad and a parent, and you've had your kids in schools and so there's a movement called the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement. And equity is the big one right now. I mean, we, you know, schools spend a, a disproportionate amount of time um, trying to bring this uh, magical term of equity into fruition. In other words, uh, anytime there's a disparity where um, minority students maybe don't perform as well on a test as the white or Asian students, it boils down to um, some form of either implicit bias or racism and it gets dumped on um, this um, you know the, the, the mantra 
of um, that everything is racist. If there's inequity, it's racist. How do you combat that as uh, a teacher like me, who's been doing it for 30 years, but I am told that I am implicitly biased. I don't even recognize my bias. It's, it's in, embedded in my subconscious. And if I deny it, well, then I'm, that proves it right there. So how, do, how, does, how would you come at things like that, working in a, in a situation like that? I'm just curious. You know, uh, equity of outcome is not even possible. Right. Uh, because every human being has certain gifts that they got from God, mm-hmm. certain abilities, certain strengths, uh, and because of the fall of mankind, we also have weaknesses yeah. and we have shortcomings. Uh, we have some people that are very, very intelligent, but they have no drive. Mm-hmm. Okay, they, they don't have a purpose, you know, to target that intelligence to, and they don't, therefore, they end up not accomplishing very much in life. You have some that are lazy. You have a lot of different reasons why things are the way they are. You know, they, they talk about uh, men get paid more than women. But the question is not just that they get paid more than women. The question has to come to why mm-hmm. do they get paid more than women? Now, it may be one time in our culture where men actually physically got paid more than women. But I don't believe that's been around for some time. But I do know that men also work longer hours yeah. than women for the most part. And there's a, for a lot of myriad of reasons. Mothers with the heart that they have for their children mm-hmm. and, the, and uh, you know, if their child's sick or any of those things, they go home and they take care of their child so the father can stay there and work and do what he has to do. Uh, and uh, those kind of things. You have maternity leaves. You have a lot of different reasons why. I've seen a lot of the data where Generally, and I think things are changing a little bit lately, but generally men go into the, um, the sectors, um, you know, the engineering sectors and the, the high-powered positions in, you know, healthcare and various things that were, they just get paid more. Yeah. Because they have a preference sure. for those types of technology uh, jobs. And, and there may be certain things that women just don't, aren't interested in doing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. You know? I mean, if, if they're not interested in, you know, excavating with a shovel, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. Mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's just hard work. Hard, uh, that's more than I want to use my muscles for, you yeah, know. Exactly. I, I mean, there may be some that may want to do that, but for the most part, you're probably going to find there are certain jobs that, you know, men do better and there are certain jobs that women do better. We need to understand that there are some things that women do better than us. Mm-hmm. And there's some things sure. that we do better than them, you know, and it's not like having kids. They're pretty good at that. Hello. But, <laughs> but can men have kids now? No, <laughs> they cannot. I know. I just, it's, they, it's they amazing can. that people are like, I don't know. It's a I crazy mean, wh- world. Why that question is even crazy world, isn't why it? Is, why that's even a question, you know, befuddles me. Why in the world would you even have to ask that kind of a question? I know. Why would you have to wonder uh, because someone's having gender dysphoria, whether or not they should be mutilated when they're a child. I know. You know, wh- why would you be able to take a child from a school and take them to some 
medical facility and then have puberty blockers given to them or or actually mut- a, a irreversible mutilation of their genitalia, you know? I know, and, and as a teacher, we've talked, I, as long as I've been in education, about how the kids at the middle school level, for instance, are, there are so many different um, parts of their brain that are not developed, they won't be till they're 25, their decision-making is very limited. They're very short-sighted, and we all know that. Absolutely. But now, all of a sudden, we're saying that these young people that are really at such a, uh, an impressionable age where their decision-making is, they have no acuity, and all of a sudden we're saying they can make these decisions that are going to impact them for their whole lives. Absolutely. And, and we're trying to normalize it. I, it's hard. It to, is hard. It's hard to understand how this can be okay with people I did I don't get it I think that there are some people that are demonically possessed it's why they can push that kind of an agenda of darkness mm-hmm. of evil on young people on children uh, to, because it's the agenda mm-hmm. of the depopulist the depopulist don't want you to be able to procreate yeah, and isn't okay. it isn't it amazing how if we if we have these common sense uh, traditional biblical views, we're looked upon as being the oddballs, mm-hmm. or we're the haters, or <laughs> yeah. we don't care. It's just it, it's unreal. It is. It is really crazy. All right. So hey, I have another question. So uh, in 1963. Um, the United States Supreme Court decided, you know, hey, we need to get that prayer. Um, out of the public schools. And they, they used the argument of um, separation of church and state, which you know is an excerpt from the letter to the Danbury Baptist Church. Correct. I think it was 1802. Can you address that? What exactly does that mean? <laughs> what, what, did, are they using that correctly? No. Okay. No. Uh, the uh, separation of church and state... Uh, was passed in the Supreme Court because of people affiliated with the Frankfurt School, mm-hmm. okay? You had a lot of uh, people during Hitler's time that came out of Germany to America, and we were so pleased to have these professors and these super intelligent, because that, back then the schools in Europe were superior, supposedly, to the schools mm-hmm. uh, in America, And so for us to get these kind of professors, we were very pleased. But what we didn't know was that they had a socialist slash communist agenda, and they were trying to infiltrate American schools with that. And uh, some of these people ended up being in the cabinets of some of our presidents of of years gone by. I believe the Frankfurt School, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were absorbed into Columbia University. One of them. One of them. Brandeis, Brown, and uh, Harvard, and various other um, uh, Ivy League schools. And once the Ivy League schools got a hold of it, then it kind of spread throughout. The first time they tried it, it didn't work. The kids were onto it. They were were, uh, biblically based well enough in the Word of God to be able to combat that and not fall prey to it. But after some time, they were able to infiltrate some of these things in and started... Uh, maybe having converts, if you will, over to their way of thinking. Okay. You know, but uh, the separation of church and state is a farce. 
Uh, it never was intended to be used that way. It was to protect religion from the state, not the state from religion. Right. Uh, and so we, we need to understand that there should be no, uh, no uh, law establishing religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Well, by doing what they did, uh, that's exactly what they were doing. They right. were uh, taking away the free exercise of religion. Uh, you, we, we should be able to, pr see, first of all, the body of Christ, we are the church. We are, the building isn't the church. Right. We are. Mm -hmm. And so when you're born of God, you're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the church. You can't stop being the church because you go to school or because you go to the store or because you go somewhere else. You don't stop being the church. Therefore, you don't have a right as government to infringe or impede our ability to do what we as Christians do. And part of that, uh, what Christians do, is proselyte and let the world know of the goodness of the Lord and that Jesus saves to the uttermost. And uh, he loves us. And he came to pay the price for our sins so that we would not have to be separated from him forever. Because what people don't understand oftentimes is that God didn't come to send anybody to hell. He, he came, you know, he said in, in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 3, that he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So uh, these people that are trying to push the idea that God's mad and God's going to, you know, send down lightning bolts and, and he's going to try to hurt you and destroy you. No, that's what Satan does. Mm -hmm. he's, the, he's the destroyer, mm -hmm. not God. God came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And so bottom line, it, th that statement was about protecting each person's religious liberty from the imposition of the state. Yeah, it's establishing. They could not establish a church. That's why the pilgrims left right. England is because they got a hold of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. the, the Bible was finally translated in English, so these pilgrims could actually read it for themselves, and they found out, oh, my goodness, the church has not been doing right. Mm -hmm. They haven't been doing what they're supposed to do, and they started challenging them on it. They started calling them Puritans, mm. okay? And so they, yep. so they end up uh, being under persecution and end up leaving and going to Holland and was there for 12 years. Mm. The Hollanders didn't like them too much either. <laughs> so, so they end up going back to England. Well, I, I can't, don't have time to get into all the, sure. the nuances and details of what happened with them, but it, it's amazing how uh, they were fighting a fight and they had to do what they had to do to get away. So they finally get on a ship, two ships, about a, it was about 150 uh, pilgrims who w wanted to go to America and they get on the ship and uh, one of them has a leak. Hmm. So uh, instead of them all going being able to go, some of them, including their pastor, I think Jonathan Robinson, uh, had to stay behind. Mm -hmm. So he stayed behind, but he taught them well. And uh, so they all end up getting on the Mayflower and going only 102 instead of, uh, instead of 150. They okay. end up with 102. That's probably overpacked. I'm still. Yeah. You know, right, exactly. <laughs> you know? But they get on the Mayflower and they come and they get to the shores you know, of America, and before they get off the ship, they come up with the Mayflower Compact, 
you know, which has been a pivotal part of what caused America to be. Now, this is long before our founders mm -hmm. even came into being. But uh, they had a vision, a heart to spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ throughout these new lands. Forty-seven out of the 102 died, most of them the women. The women were, they were cold, they were, they were freezing. Uh, the women laid on top of their children to keep them warm. The, the children lived, but they died, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, it was a rough first year uh, for them being there in America, freezing and going through all the things they do, but they didn't give up, they didn't quit, they kept going. Uh, and I don't think most people today understand the price that these people actually paid. Right you know, to make America what it has become. And, uh, and that's why we have to fight the good fight today to keep what they won for us, uh, what they won for us by struggle and death and pain and persecution and all the things that they went through so that we could have the opportunity to live in America. You know, and in spite of all of America's faults and failures, listen, we are in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. Why are we trying to act like we're perfect? Why are we trying to act like because we had slavery in America that somehow that makes all of us, don't you understand, it was only somewhere between 1% and 10% of the people who owned slaves. Hmm. And there were a lot of, a lot of black, black people, people that owned, that slaves, owned as well. slaves as well. I mean, sure. and, and, and so, the, but see, this is... This is where we have to get down to where the rubber meets the road. Adam and Eve produce every man, woman, boy, girl that's on this planet. Right. You can't have different races from the same mom and dad. Right. It's only one race, the human that's right. race. That's right. And if Eve had come from another race, that would have been different. She didn't. She came out of Adam. Mm -hmm. And so one race that exist on the whole planet. It doesn't matter what your color is. It doesn't matter what your hair looks like. It doesn't matter what size your nose is. It doesn't matter yeah. what, Amen. you know, uh, you, you, you mean, it doesn't matter what your blood type is. If you got the right blood type, you can mix your blood with anybody and it'll save their lives. Yep. Okay, and they need a blood transfusion. And so the reality is we need to get down to what's real we talk about racism in this country. Well, how can you have racism when there's only one race? And that, and created in the, in the image of God, each of us is a unique individual made in his image. I mean, you're right. I mean. And how can I be a minority American? Yeah, right. I'm an American. That's yeah, my people. And that's a great, American that's people. a great point because I think what, what we do so often now, it's, it's, um, you know, we have a month dedicated to this race and a month dedicated to this race, and we have, um, you know, we're celebrating diversity. I'm just curious, why are we not celebrating that we're, that we're Americans, that we're brothers and sisters in, in Christ? We're here together. Oh, that's intentional. You know. That's intentional. Right. They don't want us to be patriotic. Uh, I think it was Stalin that said... We're going to destroy or defeat America without even firing a shot right. because we're going to take away their patriotism, take away their religion, 
and uh, those things. And, and, and it was one other thing. I'm not thinking of it at the moment, but uh, they're going to take these things away, and by doing so, uh, we're going to destroy them. And look at what they're look at what they're at the heart of what they're doing right now, taking away our patriotism, trying to steal us from loving our country. Mm-hmm. You know, loving one another instead of teaching us to love one another. We're teaching, we're pointing out all the faults and failures and mistakes and shortcomings that we as human beings have had. Right. Not white human beings, black human beings, red human beings, the yellow human beings, human beings that have done these things to each other. That's and we right. need to look at it. They've done this to our fellow Americans, not a color of Americans. And if we focus on the right things, if we stay focused on what's true, then loving one another becomes very easy mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. It's easy to love someone. I don't have to even know someone t- to make the decision that I'm going to love them and I'm going to treat them right because they are the creation of Almighty God and right. I love them and right. I'm for them. I'm not against them. I'm with you. I want to see you succeed in life. I want to see you go over the top. I mean, I want to see you advance to the best you that you could possibly be. That's what I want to see for every American, and not only every American, but every man, woman, boy, girl on the planet. So the messaging that we're getting, like we've talked about, you know, um, the 1619 Project, (laughs) which says that, um, that the United States was... Um, built on racist principles because our founding fathers, many of whom owned slaves, some of whom were racist. Okay, fifteen percent. Right, but the whole point being that they have a white European racist view that they founded this country on on the backs of the slaves, and that our economic system was that slavery was ingrained within it and that that was the foundational principle of our founding of our country in 1619 is the day the first uh, African slave was traded on the soil of the Americas and so how how do you respond to that Uh, which basically they're trying to undermine our Constitution because it's nothing more than racist propaganda Uh, listen with slavery or without slavery, America is great, yep. period. Now, uh, slavery was wrong, but we also overcame slavery. That's right. Okay? Uh, over 300,000 white men died in the, river, in the uh, Civil War. In the Civil War. Right. Okay? I, I mean, they were fighting to end slavery. 360,000 yeah. Union soldiers. Yeah. That's right. So... Uh, to say uh, you, you're not, you don't know your history if you're, if you're listening to that kind of garbage. Right. Uh, you don't know. Uh, have we had problems? Yeah, because you still, even after the uh, war was over, the, rev- uh, the Civil War was over, you still had sympathizers. You still had people that wanted that. You still had a majority in Congress who pushed some ideals and of, of segregation, Jim Crow and all those kind of things. Yeah, they did for years. Uh, in fact, I think Newt Gingrich was one of the first uh, Congresses that had a Republican-led, yeah. you know, after, you know, all those years. 
you know, and so on. So, I mean, the reality is the Democrats have been behind every aspect of slavery, uh, Jim Crow, segregation, all those things, uh, Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. I mean, any way you want to put it, it's the Democrats. And then they try to uh, psych us out and tell us, well, there was a big switcheroo that happened. <laughs> that's, uh, that's right. Uh, well, then how come they're still doing the same tactics now yep. uh, of dividing us and separating us and pointing fingers at one another? Listen, we are Americans before we're Republicans or Democrats. We are the American people and we have to love one another and respect one another and honor one another, fight for one another, die for one another. And, and we have to do everything we can to preserve the freedoms that we have, because if we don't, you will become slaves and serfs to the World Economic Forum and all of these globalist elitists, the UN, the NATO, and uh, the World Economic Forum, Davos, and all these groups. I mean, all of them are one. Mm-hmm. Don't even think for a moment that they're Abs- different. Absolutely. They are the exact same uh, people, whether you're talking about the Council on Foreign Relations, whatever it is you're talking about, these groups are all in solidarity. They are all one. I think the common characteristic they all share as well is they are absent of God. Absolutely. They, they're Luciferian. Uh, they, they elevate humans to, to individual godlike status, and, yeah. and that's that's a sure sign of of despotism and and um, uh, leading you to the path of destruction. Absolutely. So I'm, let me ask you a question. So you're obviously incredibly passionate, and what can what can people do to now praying obviously, but um, are there things that that people should get involved with, um, like you said. You know, and I think Reagan said it, we're but one generation from tyranny. Yeah. And we have to fight to preserve right. freedom. What can individuals do to, you know, advocate for what you just said? We're all in this together. We're Americans preserving our freedom. How do we do it? What do we do? Well, there, one, we have to pray and get the strategy from God. Yep. Okay. And once we've heard from God, then we have to follow after what he said for us to do. Uh, We have an amazing opportunity, even though it seems like everything is coming down on our shoulders. It looks like uh, it looks like they're winning. Mm -hmm. It looks like they're uh, passing the legislation that they want to pass. All these dark and ungodly things like uh, the Prop 3 and Prop 2 in uh, Michigan, Mm -hmm. you know, just horrible uh, things to uh, be amended to our Constitution and things like that on um, evil. We don't have a right to legislate child sacrifice. Amen. I mean, we just don't. You don't have a right to uh, baby sacrifice. You, uh, uh, no woman has that right. No person has that right to sacrifice our children at the altar of abortion. Are you kidding me? That is not what we have a right to do. A woman has a right to do uh, to her reproductive freedom. Well, we're not having reproduction, are we, with abortion? You're not reproducing. You're taking away what was going to be productive and destroying it. 
the reproduction part, you should have made that decision a while back before that, right? You got that right. I mean, that is absolutely correct. I mean, when you think about that, you think about the fact that these young people could be taught. They could be taught. They could be trained in such a way that they refuse to engage in sexual activity until they're married. Mm -hmm. They can be trained. I was trained that way. That's the way I was brought up, okay? I was brought up in church, and I believed that I was going to wait until I got married to mm -hmm. have sex, which I did. Amen. And so, I, I mean, if I could do it, I'm not, I'm not different than other men. Right. I had same desires and sure. whatnot that other men had. But the point of the matter is, is we can, if we are willing to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. He will help us to have the victory in all these different areas of our life. God loves people. He's not trying to withhold you from having fun and enjoying life. God said, the Bible says that he had the oil of joy above his fellows. I mean, he was not boring and he was, he was fun to be around. You would enjoy, being, uh, you would be laughing and having fun with Jesus mm -hmm. because he's not some prude you know, or whatever. I mean, he loves us so much, and that's why he paid the ultimate price that he paid on the cross of Calvary. That's why he rose from the dead. That that's why he was he ascended on high and sat down on the mercy seat, and he's over there making intercession for us because he loves us so much. He Amen. cares about us, and he's going to do everything that he can to win us. He's going to do everything that he can. In fact, he's already done it. Already done it. Yep. We just have to receive them. Amen. I, I, one thing that I find very interesting about you is um, now I've been accused even by my own kids. Geez, Dad, you're talking about politics. And I'm like, well, kids, you know, abortion to me is, is a spiritual matter. It is not a political matter. It just so happens that there's this game called politics that plays a role in it, okay? Oh, yeah. And so as a pastor, um, it doesn't seem to me that you shy away from the reality that there is a political aspect to the morality and the protection of the unborn, for instance, in our country. So how do you, how do you rectify that? Because I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the pastors don't want to bring any, they don't want to, tread on this thin ice here because they could lose some of their um, congregation or things like that. How do you reconcile discussing these matters that are pretty weighty and, and, and some would say, oh, they could be divisive, but how do you, how do you get through that? Well, one, I'm not worried about uh, what, whether what I say is divisive. I'm worried about whether it's of God. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I answer to God. Right. Okay. First. I answer to God first. Then I answer to uh, my country, you know, my government, the both, both federal, state, and local government, and uh, all these things. Uh, there's a, we have to answer to them regarding the laws of our land right. uh, and things like that. But when the laws of our land overstep their authority, we're not under any obligation to keep something that that violates our Constitution mm -hmm. or violates the Bible. Because if you look at the Declaration of Independence, it talks about the laws of nature and nature's God. Mm -hmm. 
okay? And we need to understand that God is above the United States of America. Right. God's above every nation on the earth. And uh, uh, there are atheists that don't believe that. Uh, well, actually, they do believe it. They just don't want to admit it. Right. But however, even if that being said, if people claim they don't believe something, they don't believe that God is, they don't believe that he exists, they, they can say all those things, and therefore I'm not under any compunction to listen to what you have to say about what the Bible says. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Okay. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, the Bible is not somebody's opinion, right. okay? The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is the book of life. Everything about our life is in that book from the beginning to the end. It's in there. Now, we may not know how to get it out because there uh, we've discovered there was a, a rabbi in israel who discovered what we call or is known now as the bible code mm -hmm. and it's a numbering system because every hebrew letter has a number associated with it as well and how they do what they do but they discovered that rabin the prime minister of israel was going to be assassinated on a certain day and it was two weeks from the time he discovered the bible code mm. Two weeks later, he was dead. Wow. Okay, and uh, it also showed. I mean, they already JFK had already been killed, but they found him in there as well. And then they also found Anwar Sadat hmm. the day he would be assassinated, and by who he was assassinated, wow. and all those things they're in there. And so th this Bible, it's not j it's not a joke. It's the real thing. It's the book of life. Right. Okay, and so it doesn't change anything that you say you don't believe it. Very true. Yeah. Amen. Well, let me get into um, talking about this this um, big influencer in, in the world of um, public education and, and uh, politics and this young professor by the name of Ibram X. Kendi. Okay. And I want to read uh, some things from him. Just get your reaction. Sure. He, he has a lot of influence on a lot of people and uh, a lot of influence on a lot of the uh, educational dogma and, and the different programming that's happening in our schools today. Um, so uh, this anti-racism movement is, is aimed at eliminating um, racial in inequity is what they call it, uh, to produce racial equity, um, which is equal outcomes. That means everybody should do the same, and you referred to that earlier. Um, so Kendi actually argues that racial discrimination is not necessarily racist. So this is what he says. He says, the defining question is whether the discrimination is creating equity or inequity. If discrimination is creating equity, then it is anti-racist. If discrimination is creating inequity, then it is racist. The only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. And so I think, you know, programs like affirmative action, and you've probably heard the airlines now, um, some of the big airlines are mandating that 40% of the pilots they hire have to be of some minority status. So th these are all the things that are part of this anti-racist, um, you know, doctrine 
So basically, discrimination's okay if it's bringing about equity. So what uh, do you think about it? I think that discrimination is overrated. Uh, I think that discrimin being discriminating about who your children play with yeah. is okay. Yeah, I hear you. I think uh, deciding whether you want to hang out with someone who's a bad character, uh, you have to be discriminate. You have to discriminate. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of reasons why you have to rightfully discriminate. Uh, but when it comes to equity of outcome, uh, you, you know, there's no two, there's no group of people on the planet that agree with each other on everything. Yeah. People that we call white, they don't agree on everything. People that are called black, we act like they're because of the color of your skin that makes you a community. Mm -hmm. That's not what makes you a community. Why do, why do, uh, there's some neighborhoods that have pretty good mixture of, of uh, different ethnicities, if you will. Mm -hmm. They get along perfectly fine, have no problems, you know, I mean, few problems. You could have some problems because of some choices that you make, maybe. Because they're human. Because they're human, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it, the choices that we make is the key to doing what is right and what's good. Uh, but over what, discrimination but what using here, I just want to pause you for a second, because what they're using in schools is um, they're looking at disparities, and they, they do what they call disaggregating the data. So you're seeing that, okay, so... And it's, and it's not just with academics, it's with uh, discipline, too. Of course. So they're looking at, um, you know, uh, you know the, the black children are being punished more often, or, or the Hispanic children um, aren't doing as well on the math testing, or the white kids, there's a higher percentage of them, they're in the honors uh, math program. All of those things are attributed to inequity or racism. Well, maybe there is inequity. Maybe they don't have the home life that another person has. Maybe they don't have a father. Maybe maybe uh, the mother's working two and three jobs trying to make ends right. meet right. Uh, and doesn't have time to make sure they do their homework and doesn't have time to make sure that uh, things are going well for them. There was a good movie out some time ago uh, called The uh, Clark Story. What is it? The uh, Oh, yeah, The Principal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he was a, a teacher who went from somewhere and ended up in Harlem, mm -hmm. and he takes over a class, the worst class in the school with the worst scores in the school, and he takes them from the worst class to the best class. One of the situations that he was dealing with, he goes over to this one girl's house who he knew she had potential to be quite, she was brilliant, she yeah. is a mathematician, she, she was very good with math. And uh, so he goes over to the house to visit, and then of course the mom's at home, the girl's at home, uh, got four little siblings under her, and she's got to cook, clean, uh, do everything for these little kids and all those kind of things. She doesn't have time to do homework, so he, he comes in, he cooks, and he does this and that, and he, you know, and the mother finds this man in the house, and of course, you'd probably be mm -hmm. mad too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> some, yeah. Some guy. Is that Morgan Freeman? <laughs> 
Uh, no. Uh, the, the, the Ron Clark story, uh, I, I can't remember the principal's name, uh, but he's a pretty famous actor. I can't think of his yeah. name offhand, but uh, he's played in quite a few different things. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, uh, well, he almost got it, Ron Clark almost got fired because okay. of this incident. She goes to the principal and tells him, this guy's over my house and this, that, you know. And uh, so he, he, he's all but fired. And, uh, and he comes up to the lady and says, you know, I'm, you know I, I really, uh, I'm sorry for, you know, uh, the way things uh, turned out. He said, uh, your daughter uh, is very gifted and she should be, I can get her into this school for special, mm-hmm. you know, kids, gifted kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She said, you think my daughter? <laughs> you yeah. know, can can she, do this. Yeah, and she said yes. I I believe she can, uh, and uh, and so, but that changed the the lady's heart. Now she she wants to do what she can to yeah. help this uh, this kind of thing happen. But uh, he won hearts. He won he won those kids over. He put a discipline there that they these kids needed. Uh, today, the he, discipline and he didn't promote that they were victims of their circumstance. No. Did he? Not at that all. That was kind of the opposite of Absolutely. what he did. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly right. And so, as a result, they went from being the worst class in school to being the best. Yeah, and that's a true story, right? It's a true story. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think, uh, I think kids want to be held to high expectations. I think they want that discipline in their life. And I think the way we're trying to do things now is we are trying to, well, it's the self-esteem era where we feel like if we discipline kids well we're going to damage relationships between the adults and the kids and but I don't think so I think kids see I, I, they see a firmness and a, and a loving uh, correction even if it's stern they appreciate it you and know they need it when I was growing up I was still I'm old enough to be when school still paddled yes the children yep I remember that okay and I got a few yeah, <laughs> you know, and it was not fun. And you turned out okay. Uh, imagine that, <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> and so, uh, you know, uh, disciplining children—they outlawed it, made it where you couldn't discipline the kids at school. Well, the, you're away from your parents, and you start feeling a little cocky. You feel like you can, you know, st- yeah. stand up to the to the teacher, and and uh, so on. Well, they can't, they can't touch me, so, you know, I'll do what I want, yep. you know, yep. and uh, so on. I mean, uh, you can send them to the principal. You can, uh, you know, do whatever disciplinary measures that they allow uh, today. But I think when we had corporal punishment in schools, I think kids were a whole lot better. But I think, and, I, and I'm not going to disagree with you, but I will say this. I mean, obviously, that's never coming back. But, but, um, never say never. Yeah. I guess you never do know, but, um, I think that we can be, well, I'll give you an example. So uh, a few years ago, um, there was a student who had gone through some health issues and, um, and when he came back, um, you know, I tried to help him get back on the road, spend extra time with him. And, and, um, what ended up happening is I kind of enabled him to be a little complacent a little lazy mm-hmm. and he started slipping mm-hmm. and um and i know he that wasn't na- his natural way so i pulled him out in the hallway one day and i was a little bit hard on him i said listen i said i've been helping you out helping you get back on the right track 
I feel like you're taking advantage of me now. And I said, that's not right. You need to go back to the way you were before you were sick. And you need to get, you need to get the job done. You got to do this. That's right. So he went home and I was still at school and, um, his mom called me and she was really angry because I pulled him out in the hallway and I, and I, you know, kind of, uh, I you separated were mean him to out. me. Well, yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> and you know what? And, and I, I, I was going to be at school a little bit longer that day. So I said, well, could you come in and bring your son and we'll talk about it. And when she came in, I said, you know what? I said, when I pull a student out in the hallway and I'm harsh with him, I'm, I'm expending that energy because I care about him and I know what he's capable of. And I think he needs to be bumped in the right direction. And I said, I know his potential and it's great and he's not working up to it. And I'm here to help him do that. And when I put it that way to her, she was on board 100%. Absolutely. But I think people just, they immediately, um, if, if, if a teacher is firm and has high expectations nowadays, um, that is not the acceptable norm anymore. Not looked upon as favorable. And, when um, it should be. It's too bad. It is. Uh, you know, but we've gone from being the top in our scores in the world. Yeah to mid mid we if, are if, mid. at best you know and I, I mean there was a discipline I, I look back to the founding era and guys like john adams going to harvard at 13 hmm. could read greek and hebrew and write it i mean <laughs> wow that's incredible i mean at 13 i mean i i was I, I, there's a test you can look it up online there's a test that they were giving to the kids back in those days that college graduates today couldn't pass. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's just unreal. Uh, but the reality is, is our kids are capable of so much more yeah. than what they, they're the low expectation of the educational system, not the teachers. I, I, I mean, I believe the teachers would do profoundly more than what they do if it wasn't for the unions and the various other entities that they have to deal with, uh, the school board and the, uh, there's a group, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I went to a school board meeting and challenged them on CRT mm -hmm. and, um, you know, critical race theory. You're a conspiracy uh, theorist. And critical theory. <laughs> well, I'm a black man and I have eight children yeah. and they all went to a particular school system in the area here in Western Michigan. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a predominantly white, predominant uh, school. And I don't like to call people from the European descent white because this tablecloth is white. Yeah. But you're not. Yeah, right. Not, not physically. I mean, you know, I know we I call you, you right. uh, you know, uh, white people. I, I can't believe people haven't known their colors for all these years. But in <laughs> <laughs> We're a little off with that, aren't we? <laughs> it's true. So, uh, but nevertheless, um, I believe teachers would do profoundly more and profoundly better if they didn't have the monkey on their back, if mm. they didn't have all these powers pressuring them, if they could just teach from their heart. 
yep. the, you know, the things that they want to instill in these children's hearts, you know, the reading, the writing, the mathematics, the civics, the history, you know, mm-hmm. and get those things on the inside of them, get them learning how to succeed. We've got computers now, we've got the, and you think, well, we got the most advancement. We spend more money on education than anywhere else in the world, and yet right. we're not showing it. It's right. not showing up. Uh, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I don't know where America would be right now. Uh, because, you know, without him, innovation leaves. Okay? Without him, the ability to get wealth dissipates. Mm-hmm. He said in Deuteronomy 8.18, he said, It is I who give you power to get wealth that you may establish his covenant. Okay? God gives us the power to get wealth. And if we have been the greatest nation on this world for all this time, don't we understand that it's because of the goodness of God? Yeah, amen. Okay, and because our founding fathers wanted to preach the gospel to this land, to this nation of people. It wasn't a nation then, you know, and they're talking about the 1619 Project. Are you kidding me? We weren't the United States of America in 1619. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and as every nation has had the good, the bad, and the ugly, so has America. Sure. We've had good things happen. We've had bad things. We just had a shooting in Nashville. That's right. You know, I mean, that's bad. But now they're trying to, to come up with gun laws. The gun isn't the problem. No. It's the hearts of men. That's right. Evil men, troubled men, mentally ill men or women, you know, that's the real problem. Sometimes even demonically possessed people, mm-hmm. you know, because no one just naturally thinks, well, I'm going to go out and try to kill as many people as I can today. No, that's not a natural thing that men, not, not that, I'm not trying to say that men are, are uh, just these awesome, you know, uh, people that will never do anything wrong. No, I'm no. not saying that. But what I am saying is it's not normal, even for men in their fallen state, to want to go out and massively kill people. Right. That's just not an ordinary thing. Now, we know someone who does want to do that, and that's Satan. Right. Okay? But we're, we're pointing at the guns. The guns can't do anything without a man. That's, that's right. You know, so we keep calling it gun violence. No, it's people violence. It's people. And it seems like a trend. I mean, we in this culture, we want to always blame. We're even blaming an inanimate object, okay? It's crazy. Now, in the schools, we're blaming it on systemic racism, implicit bias of the teachers, right? And, and what they do in schools is they group everybody. They put you into a group, okay? So you're part of the African-American group. So we don't look at you as an individual, no, you're part of the group that's doing, uh, you know, eight percentage points lower than this group over here, as opposed to, like you said earlier, looking at the individual characteristics and the home life and the multitude of the, the dimensions that go into each human. It, we have to recognize individuals that are made in the image of God and not put people in groups. I mean, I have kids, students that are, you know, twins. This is a very common thing where... These kids are as different as you can imagine. And we have our own kids, right? Mm-hmm. I have four boys. And uh, each one is so different. They've, you know, they share the same genetics, same parents, brought them up similarly. 
but each one is so different. Yet we think we can characterize people by their skin color. Really? Impossible. Really? It's really impossible to do. It's crazy. It makes it, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy to do. Yeah, because it offers you a, 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 an excuse for why someone's not doing well. And, but that's all it is. That is. It's, it's, an it's only an excuse. However, you know, the reality is, is any one of us, if we are willing to do our best, if we can motivate people to do their best, if we can look into knowing that 70-some percent of black children are born now without a father in the home. And that is such an interesting statistic because that, prior to 1965, the, uh, the welfare legislation, that um, the, majority the, of the black, black population had the lowest divorce rate. They did. And they were coming out of poverty faster than any other group. Yeah. They had the highest business ownership rate of any other group. And we, it must be stopped. Yeah, isn't that something? We've got to stop that. We can't let that happen. Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, the devil is a liar. Mm -hmm. And we need to understand that he's a liar. We need to understand that love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. You know, what is the golden rule? Yeah. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. If you really want to stop all of the different problems, you're not going to ever have everything right until Jesus comes and sits on the throne in Jerusalem and he's ruling and he's reigning. Right. Okay. But until then, if we want things to be better, we can get them to be better. We can have a discourse and we can have a... Uh, uh, a communication and a love uh, for one another and treating one another. You know, I've grown up, uh, I grew up in Muskegon Heights and I, almost 90 some percent, you know, black. Yeah. You what, know, what year, I'm just curious, what year did you graduate from high school? 77. 77, okay. Some colossal matchups back in the day, Rogers High School and the Heights. Do you remember any of those games back mm -hmm. in the day? Oh, yeah. Boy, those were good games. Uh, we've had a lot of good games. One of the best games I ever went to, though, was a Muskegon Heights-Muskegon Big Reds game oh. at the L.C. Walker Arena. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 1978. could have been 79. They won back-to-back -back state championships. Okay. Well, anyway, we were down at the Walker Arena, and we're down by 23 points at halftime. And uh, I said, oh, man, we're going to mess up our perfect season. We're going to, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, we're rated number one in the state, you know, and, uh, you know, it looked like we were getting ready to lose. I don't know what the Coach Gilbert told them in the locker room. I sure would love to hear it. But uh, anyway, they came out like a different team. Not amazing. I mean, they came out and they put on a defensive clinic. They came back and won that game Is by 40 points. High school basketball? 40 points. Isn't that incredible? I've never heard of uh, That's that. That's amazing. They came back and won by 40 points and went on to win the state championship as well. I think we got off on a tangent here. I think we did. That's okay, though. <laughs> but that, those, uh, those high school teams – um, some of the best games I've ever seen in my life were high school games. Yeah, those are incredible. I would like to see them make a movie about that. But anyway, that was a, that was yeah. a, that was great. That is, uh, they won by forty. They, they were down by twenty three. They half. were down by twenty three. That's incredible. Half yeah. Wow. Um, 
What were we talking about again? <laughs> I don't know. Um, we'll pick up something somewhere. Here. Yeah. So, no, but yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, you know, we need to celebrate each other. We, we, we're, we're, we're Americans. We are, we're brothers. Absolutely. Okay? And, I, and I think that uh, that's what we need right now. Yeah. You know, there, there are far, far too many um, different uh, messages coming at us where we have to focus on what makes us different and, and why this group needs to, you know this group is marginalized or this group is um, oppressed and we are the oppressors or vice versa and it's just that's all we hear and I agree with you 100% and that's not what God wants that's not his vision for humanity not at all you know Tom we it all boils down to man's word or God's word right that's really what it boils down yeah. to because man is trying to tell us a lot of things about our past that make us, you know, problematic today. Yep. Uh, the reality is we are in a fallen world and unregenerated men are going to sin. That's yep. what they do. Yeah. Uh, even regenerated men sin sometimes, yep. you know. But the point of the matter is, is it's all about... God, are you going to follow God's way of doing and being right? Or are you going to listen to the lies of Satan? Okay? If you, if you choose to listen to the lies of Satan, then you're going to be deceived. And if you're deceived, the uh, only thing that you can fall, the only thing that's going to happen to you is death, destruction, and harm. Mm. of some sort despair depression despair, depression defeat yeah uh you know never feeling uh like you're worthy never feeling like you are uh, enough uh and all those kind of things um I, i'm so grateful for my mom and dad who never taught us to hate people based on skin color and all right. those kind of things i mean so we never have uh, well, I can't speak for all my siblings, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I can speak for myself. Yeah. I mean, uh, I look at humanity as a creation of God. They're my brothers. Yep. We came from the same blood. It's only one blood. Yeah. From one blood made he all nations to dwell on the face of the earth. Man, if we could get there, you know. I, I, it takes faith. It, yes, and it would just eliminate so much of uh, the conflict that is going on on a daily basis. And, and like you said earlier, creating excuses for people that are, I mean, I feel like when we are, you know, I mean, for example, Ivy League schools now, the SAT and the ACT, gone, okay? A lot of the Ivy Leagues, because, because it was racist because there were certain groups that were not doing as well as others. So that must mean it's racist, right? Well, also, there's kids that got put into that uh, environment at Harvard and Yale and Princeton. Yeah, and they're not able and, to do and, well. And they weren't able to keep up Sure. Uh, at the pace that they were accustomed to going with this level of students. Now, back in the school that they came from, they were, who they top, were the man. Shelf. They were top, you know. But they weren't dealing with the competitive nature that some of the other schools came from. And this isn't really a matter of color. It's a matter of knowing 
a matter of knowing the ins and outs and the how-to of what some of these other schools were able to do and, you know, of course, financially mm-hmm. was part of it because uh, when you have more, you get the best. You get the best books. You get the sure. best you know, computers. You get the best of whatever it is that you need. And your ability, you, you have a good environment. You have a good school. You have a nice school. You know, and all those kind of things versus not not that you have to have a a uh, a a class facility in order to learn. Right. You absolutely don't have to have that. Our founding fathers in their era, they learned more <laughs> by the time they were 13. Right. Than what some of these people after they've graduated with a doctorate from college. Yeah, and it's almost like in in today's world. You go to college and you're, you're being taught things that make you dumber. It dumbs you down. And see, you, what people don't understand is as long as you're going to operate in the system of the global elite, which is the system that we're dealing with primarily uh, with our educational system, with all this uh, critical theory, mm-hmm. all this uh, uh, Saul Alinsky stuff and, and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, that they're pushing on, us and uh, all this community organization stuff that they're doing. Community organization's fine when it's done right, when it's done with the right heart, when you're trying to do things to help get people informed, engaged, and a part of, of making our country better. But in, making, instead, what they're doing is they're creating an entire generation of, they want to promote the victim mentality, yeah. which is toxic. It is toxic. Uh, what what do you hope to gain from it? Right. I mean, if if you're trying, uh, that, that's why I don't understand. Because you you know the old saying, you're only as strong as the weakest link. Right. So if you got a chain and you got a part of this weak, you and you know it's easily to be broken, then that doesn't hurt just that person. It hurts America. Right. Okay. Uh, so educationally, we should go back to our foundation. Our foundation says that um, one mom, one dad, raising children, married until death is due part, is going to be a better scenario for the children. What happens is, you know, uh, people sometimes say, well, we just fell out of love. Well, you committed to love. You didn't commit to fall out of love. You committed to love until right. death is due part. So you stopped loving. So why, you lost, you, where'd you, what, what did you say? Didn't you say that you're going to love them until death is due part? Yeah. Well, yeah, I did, but you know, you got to get the butt out. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, no, you said you, you promised before God and man and all the witnesses that were at your wedding that you were going to love this person until death us do part and then you had a few bumps in the road a few things came up and now all of a sudden now you said well now i i can't do this anymore i you know or you looked up and saw grass looking greener on the other side and and various things but your commitment to that person all of a sudden ceased and uh, as a result you end up you know losing the love of your life because you didn't marry them because you didn't love them you didn't marry them because you didn't want to be with them for the rest of your life. You married them because you did. Mm-hmm. And so when you get back to what's true, family, the nuclear family, mm-hmm. holding fast to what's good, 
fathers protecting their children, protecting their wives, and making sure that they're safe, making sure that they get the sustenance that they need, and making sure they get the clothes they need, all the things that they need. Yeah. You're making sure that that happens, and they have a home, a safe environment that they can live in and grow in and be nurtured in and all those kind of things. When they have that, it, it produces good, solid kids that are thirsty for knowledge and learning and growing, and you, it produces solid kids, solid in math and solid you know, in their history, solid in uh, the engineering jobs of the world, solid in the medicinal, solid in whatever area that they need to be. Yes, and and that foundation of that mother and father can also, you know, I think have the ripple effect too because there are, you know, 40% of all kids today don't, you know, don't have a dad in the home. Yeah. Right? In the inner city, uh, for the the black kids, 75% almost now don't. So when there is that family unit, you know, um, a lot of times those kids will befriend others and kids will get to come in and see that mother and father interacting in a healthy way. So it is a, it is staying together as a couple, um, has such a, an amazing ripple effect to other kids and, and, and other families that see that and witness it. It's, no it's, doubt. A, it's an amazing thing. It is. When you see a family together, it is a beautiful thing. It is. Because that's the way God meant it to be, you know? I, I, you know, I can be walking down the mall and I see a mother with a, with a yeah. just a little baby. Yeah. And it just touches it is. my heart. You know, seeing that, and even better when the father and mother are together that's and awesome pushing that little baby you know yep. now i'm assuming that the the mother's uh, you know probably married and got a f- husband somewhere but yeah. you know and, and oftentimes but it's so precious babies are so precious and they need to be protected born and unborn and uh i really believe that we got to do everything we can to protect and change the minds and hearts of young women from the dialogue that they get hit with, that th- that's just a clump of cells and, you know, it's okay to destroy it and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, listen, you're still a clump of cells. True. That didn't change. You're just a bigger clump yeah. than you were back then. That's right. More developed clump that's right. than what you were back then, but you're still a clump of cells. Yeah. And so that, that, you know, so many things that we use to push a narrative that we want to push. Uh, the Democrats, the progressives, the communists, the socialists, whatever you want to call them, are so good with narrative. And they all stick exactly to the same narrative. That's the one thing you got to hand to them. They never stray from the path. Yeah, and no matter how big the lie is. Right. And because Hitler learned that the bigger the lie, the easier it is for people to believe it. Hmm. You know, so big that it's almost impossible, oh, uh, you know, it's almost impossible not to believe it. Uh, When we see the kind of thing that's been going on in our country for the last five years or so, uh, it's just unreal that 
these kind of things can happen in America. I mean, uh, it almost feels like we've become a banana republic. It, it is astounding that we've gotten to this place so, so quickly. Yeah. But, you know, going back to the abortion issue, that the culture of death where having an abortion is now being looked at by the left as something virtuous, something to be celebrated. Even back in the day, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, I remember Democrats talking about abortion, but, you know, it needs to be rare. It needs to be something that only happens in, in an absolute emergency, you know. Yeah. They, they did not look at abortion fondly, but today we have people out marching and celebrating and having parades to celebrate it, and the violence for those that stand up for life and you know the other thing that is the violence against those that stand up for life but the other crazy thing too to me is you know margaret sanger the founder of planned parenthood who wanted to exterminate the human weeds of black, which black she was people. talking black people <laughs> yeah. or or people that have you know any kind of defect uh, defect whatsoever right 40% of all abortions are black babies and mm. They're only 13% of the population. Of the population. So and, it's genocide. And, and in New York City, there are more um, abortions than there are live births. And, you know, a couple numbers that just blew me away. Since 1973, there have been 62 million legal abortions in our country, which, you know, it's essentially uh, human sacrifices on the altar of uh, selfishness or... Fear. greed or convenience or whatever fear fear and uh and 1.7 billion abortions worldwide since 1980 wow. 1.7 billion wow so i agree with you i think that uh that that has to be our greatest fight is we need to stand up for life because, life is so because when you important. devalue it in the womb why, why do you why are there so many why are murders off the chart why are overdoses depressions because when you do not value life from its beginning, how can you value? You don't value life anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? And murder, of course, murder is going to rise up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of course, uh, uh, you know, any kind of. Uh, I, I mean, then you get into older people. Yeah. Toward the end of their life, I mean, cutting them off. Yeah. Are they an uh, inconvenience? Right. Yeah, they they become an inconvenience, and that's basically what a, uh, I say unplanned pregnancy. If you have sex, you should be planning on pregnancy. Yeah, kind uh, of goes first, hand in hand. First they? off, uh, you know, uh, that used to be a deterrent, but since you got abortion, yeah, right, they use it as a contraceptive, and uh, it's just wrong. There's no way to make it right, uh, and you know, I, I like what this one pastor said. He's not a pastor, but he's a minister. Mm -hmm. He said. He called an altar call for both homosexuals and women, two women, he said, that had abortions. Mm -hmm. And uh, the homosexuals got set free. And the two women that had the abortions, he told them this. He said, your babies have no animosity toward you for aborting them. Mm -hmm. And neither does God. Yeah, that's powerful. My, my, my. That is something. Wow. Well, hey, um, I want to play one clip, and then we'll kind of start wrapping it up here. Okay. But um, 
There's one clip that I wanted to get your reaction on. Um, and Bob Woodson is, is, um, is one of my favorite sources of wisdom. He's an older fellow. And uh, he started the Woodson Center that operates throughout the nation to help inner city communities and faith-based organizations with training, technical assistance, and linkages to sources of support. And his organization is transforming inner city communities. And he is, he's a good Christian man. He's a patriot. And in this clip, he discusses a little bit the 1619 Project. And um, so I just want to... Um, Listen to it, and then just get your reaction. Sure. He's a really cool guy. And um, so I'm going to mute us up and uh, play it. And they have hijacked the rich legacy of the civil rights movement uh, by demeaning, uh, assuming that uh, America is defined by race. Well, we have, since they are using the black uh, issue, we have organized black scholars and activists all over the country to push back against this false narrative. Uh, we're not doing so by offering a counter debate. We're offering a counter narrative, an inspirational and aspirational alternative. We're developing curriculum uh, K through 12 that celebrates America. It recognizes that uh, America's birth defect was slavery, but America is defined by its promise. Mm. Uh, and so we are celebrating it, how blacks achieved in the face of, uh, of oppression we're telling success stories. We're telling the real story of America. Black and brown people are risking their lives to come to this country. Uh, and so we are, we are going to be celebrating our, our, our rich legacy and, and showing America that, that six, uh, black, uh, um, they don't speak for black America, that well, we believe in this nation. Well, Bob, what happens when individuals, when they're taught to see all of American history through the lens of slavery and oppression? It really, uh, Pat, what they're saying is that, they're, that, that black America's history is just from, from slave ships to plantations to the ghetto. There, uh, some of our scholars looked at the records of, of six major plantations at the end of slavery. They found that 75% of the families uh, were living with a, a mother and a father raising children. In other words, for a whole century, black America, even in the face of oppression, uh, uh, the, the family thrived up until 1965. In fact, Pat, between 1930 and 1940, when racism was enshrined in law, black Americans had the highest marriage rate of any other group in society, and that is and, and elderly people could walk safely in their community, unlike today. And that's because of our Christian faith and the, and the importance of the nuclear family. I just appreciate Bob Woodson. Very wise words. Yeah. Very wise words. So important that people know these things. Uh, so oftentimes, we've never heard of it. We've never heard of Bob Woodson, we've, or we've never heard of those words that he just spoke. They don't know what it was like back in 1960 before the Civil Rights Act or the voting, I mean, not the, but before the Civil uh, Rights Act took place or the Welfare Act, I think I'm saying. Yeah. The Welfare Act. Right. You know, when they um, passed that and they went from being some of the uh, 
most well off in many ways. I mean, in Detroit, Detroit was one of the richest cities in the world. Oh yeah, showcase. It was a showpiece. Uh, it, it really the was. It, it was amazing. Uh, Ford helped to frame a middle class that had never existed before. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he was paying more than all the other car companies at that time. <laughs> of course, he had his problems too. He yeah. was uh, also anti-Semitic uh, you know, and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> human. <laughs> he, he's human. Uh, but we got to, that's the other thing, we, we got to recognize humanity for what it is. We need to understand humanity is fallen. And unless we turn our hearts to the Lord, uh, these kind of things are going to persist. Uh, you know, we had a nation that came from our founding era all the way up to the present. Uh, we went from a startup nation in 1776. 50 years later, Alexis de Tocqueville came from France and traveled all over America trying to find out how in the world did this little upstart nation able to compete with the likes of France and Great Britain and Italy mm-hmm. and so on. How is it possible that this could be? Well, the reason that it was possible was because of our pilgrims because of the Mayflower Compact, and because they dedicated this country to the, to the Lord Amen. and to the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They committed to doing that and, uh, and to, to the proper form of governance, you know, the right of the individual and all those kind of things. And uh, that was long before we had a constitution. And so God remembered that covenant. He remembers it. And I remember so many times long after King David in the Bible had died that he said, I'm going to do this for my servant David's sake. You know, I'm going to do something good for you, even though you all haven't been that good. But for your, my servant David's sake, I'm going to do this for you yep. and uh, so on. And I think a lot of things and why America has not fallen with all the sin and, and wickedness and ungodliness and Luciferian stuff that's been going on, especially of late and has been going on behind the scenes in, in many years gone by. Mm-hmm. Well, they were covert then, but now they've become overt and in your face. And now they're trying to tell us that this is the way that it's going to be and there's nothing you can do about it. I want you to know, I'm going to serve you notice, devil. Uh, we are not succumbing to your wickedness. We will rise up and, and we will praise the Lord and we will magnify his great name Amen. and we will make him big and you our defeated foe, you are under our feet, and we are not going to cow, <laughs> you know, cower under, under you because you're boasting yourself so proud. Yep. Not going to do it. We know who we are in Christ, and we know that you have no ability to defeat us as long as we are in Christ, as long as we are following his way of doing and being right, as long as we stay to those principles. He can't defeat us. And and we can't quit. Phil, Phil, let me let me say this. I appreciate you drilling down on Christ-centeredness and all the craziness that we witness going on in the world right now, what it comes down to, and you've said it time and time again throughout this interview, that we need to come back to Christ. We need to put him first. And I you know, we can't care what anybody thinks about us saying that. Amen. I'm a public school teacher, but 
you know, Jesus Christ is my Savior, and that he, he is my identity. And the only time I run into problems is when I stray from his word and his intent for who he wants me to be. Indeed. And I True think that's fault. the same for humanity. But I appreciate you so much. Yeah. And I consider you a brother. Likewise. And uh, I, I just appreciate you being here with us. So uh, God bless you. And hopefully maybe you can come back and talk to us again. Be honored to. Because uh, there's a lot of wisdom that God gave you that you are obligated to share Amen. with us. So um, thanks, man. My pleasure. All right. See ya. Hey, thanks for uh, checking in with the Edge of Babel Emporium. And um, come back and see us again real soon, everybody. And uh, thank you.